government. There was a half a dozen um, court cases last week that were initiated by private citizens and churches and institutions against uh, our current administration, uh, national administration, saying uh, something's happening that's wrong and you're uh, hurting our liberties and freedoms that we've enjoyed as uh, Americans. So when you start seeing all this take place and it looks like the next generation is going to face a lot of perhaps government restructure, um, power, authority, freedoms, mandates. There's just so much coming down this road. This is one of the key passages, Romans 13, that we as believers, we need to know this. We need to know what God's will for us is as we live under a civil government that's now uh, involved in case after case of overreach, reaching into uh, churches and into private sector, into states. We're going to have a whole battle of state rights, uh, it seems again. Uh, lots of things. So we need to be aware of Romans 13, 1 through 7. Learn the principles. There are other scriptures that I'll give you, and you saw in the Westminster Confession of Faith that uh, Joe shared as well. But when you talk about authority, authority means somebody is in charge, it's over you. You've got to talk about what is proper subjection or what is proper submission under that authority. And that's where this uh, passage goes. So first of all, let us see our responsibility to be submissive citizens. Verse 1, every person is to be in subjection. So there's no exception there. Even if you are one of those politicians or one of those governors, there's still a place for you to be in subjection to the rules and the regulations that are put in place. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities and then gives a reason for there's no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. Now that's easy for us to say, okay, I get that, when we just think about our own context. Say, so, well, yeah, I can understand God establishing, putting into place the American government or maybe an English government. But it gets a little harder to grab onto when you think, well, God also put into place the Chinese government and the Russian government. Or when this was written, it was the Roman government and Nero was on the throne. And it's, it, then you say, ooh, and, and God was behind that? And God establish these governments to govern the land. When you think about America, we're having some upheaval, but it's so much better than some of those others I just mentioned. You say, you know, ours is easy compared to what they have to do. And then you hear this command to be in subjection, to be submissive to government. So there's a place for civil obedience to higher government and the reason is because God put them in place let's go to the time of Christ look at John 19 10 and 11 John 19 10 and 11 and this is Jesus before Pilate and he acknowledges this uh, particular subject John 19 verse 10 so Pilate said to him, he's speaking to Jesus, you do, not, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you 
and I have authority to crucify you. And Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this is the reason he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. But notice what Jesus acknowledges. What's happening here is not because you're somebody. It's because God's somebody. God gave government to societies to govern and to create law and order and peace. And you have no authority unless it was given to you. Because it was given to you, you can carry it out. Of course, Christ is God, and he's the one who had given Pilate that authority. Uh, there's plenty of places in Scripture that acknowledge this. Clearly, when the church was persecuted in the Old Testament days, when they were chastened by God, when they were eventually destroyed by God, when Israel as a nation was destroyed by the Babylonians, the Scripture is clear. God raised up Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. He raised up a government and a nation to wipe out Israel. And then later, after they had been in captivity for 70 years, those who were not destroyed, the scripture says, and God raised up Cyrus over the Medes and the Persians to wipe out the Babylonians and to let whatever Israel wanted to return to Jerusalem, let them return. But you have case after case throughout scripture like that of God being over government. Um, Israel at first was not just a national church, but because they were a national church, they had to have civil government. There's lots of civil law in Scripture uh, to direct them. Uh, God had that in mind when he wrote uh, Romans 13, verse 1, that we need to be submissive to government. And like I say, in Romans, uh, they were being asked to be submissive to Nero. Nero is known for being one of the worst uh, emperors or kings, governors against the church. He hated Christians. He blamed Christians for so many things. You can read the history. He burned Christians at the stake. There's um, hard to find a, a ruler that hated the church more than Nero. And that's this group, this church that Paul's writing to. He's writing to these Christians in Rome under the authority of Nero himself. Um, and even uh, Peter in 1 Peter 2, verse 17, says, Honor the king. He's thinking of Nero. Nero was the one who was on the throne. Um, that there's this responsibility as citizens. We need to honor these people that we, we may terribly disagree with. Um, we may have plenty of reasons to say they're doing unbiblical stuff. But there's a responsibility as a citizen to be submissive to them. Um, you and me, what do we need to do? Human elections, we need to be involved in elections. We need to be uh, involved in government. We need to be uh, training up a generation of believers to rise to that level and help be some of our rulers and leaders because we need good people in these high places that know the law of God, that know what produces peace and promise and not um, uh, some of the things that are happening. Uh, we need people to al always be allowing the gospel to go forth. It's for the good of our nation. God exalts a nation that exalts righteousness. Uh, so there's great blessings for us being involved. Um, peace will be a result of us being involved 
uh, in politics. Uh, we need to be doing our part, and it involves not only, obviously, voting, but it involves prayer, it involves work, it involves training up uh, leaders, it involves um, honor of, of the leaders that we do have so that we can depend upon them to do the right things. Now, all that said, there's a time for civil disobedience, too. Um, there's a place for obedience, and then there's, there's times for disobedience. And the Scripture gives us uh, cases of that. There's times when the government um, does something. And what, what would be a case where the government did something that you needed it not to obey, but you needed to disobey? And that is just simply when the government commands the church to go against God's commands. When the government makes itself to be higher than God. Because the authority we have in verse 1 is God's top. God's the authority who, who gives government powers. And they are to work under God. So whenever the government usurps their own authority. And goes against God's authority. Then the church, we know God is our ultimate authority. We must obey God rather than men. Uh, rather than the government. And there's clear examples of it. Look at Acts chapter 4, verses uh, 9 and following. Acts 4. Excuse me, it's verse 19. Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, Peter and John, remember Peter, 1 Peter 2.17 says, Peter... Uh, when he's writing uh, his epistle, says, honor the king. He gives honor to the king, but he also, in this place, disobeys. Chapter 4, verse 19 says, But Peter and John answered, and he said to them, What is it? What it, it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God. You be the judge. He says, But we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further... They let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them. So Peter and John weren't breaking any law. They were just preaching. And it was permissible to preach and teach. Uh, but a man got healed while they were preaching. And it caused disruption. And now they're being accused. And they're saying, oh, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just obeying God. If you're saying, we've got to quit obeying God, well, you're going to have to judge whether that's a good law or not. As far as we can see, we got to obey God. We can't obey you when you tell us not to obey God. So they go on. Um, verse, and, uh, I'll keep reading verse 21. When they had threatened him further, they, they let them go finding uh, no basis on which to punish them. On account of the people, because the, they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man who was more than 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed... And when they had been released, they went to their own companions and they reported all that the chief priest and the elders and had said to them. And when they had heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servants, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, 
to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. And then chapter 5, verse 29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. That's, that's the point. They clearly saw what the government was doing was going against Christ and his church. So that's unacceptable. We don't have to submit to that because God is the higher authority. We must submit to God in those cases. And for the church, it means we must be willing to suffer. We must be willing to be punished if they so choose. But we do so acknowledging they are coming against Christ and his church, not just us. And that's wrong on their behalf. And the same wrath and authority they have will be used against them. Uh, by God himself. God will protect his church. He will not let the church perish. God's going to take care of us. He's going to support us. Another, the classic example of civil disobedience, not only that one, but in the book of Daniel. You may remember it, Daniel chapter 3, uh, the uh, friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. And basically, that's what happens when the government takes authority basically upon themselves and say, we're in charge, not God. We say whatever we want to, to God, to Christ, His church. You're asking people to worship you, the government. And the church says, no, 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 that's, that's not what we do. We don't worship you, O King. We'll honor you. We don't worship you. And we'll obey you, but we'll only obey you to the point of, of you setting up great righteous laws for our nation but when you start attacking Christ and his church that's where our obedience stops you may kill us for it okay it's like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego we may burn up in a fire okay but we'll burn up serving God first and our God will deliver us could deliver us from the fire but he ultimately delivers his church so that's where we stand. And of course, Daniel did the same thing in chapter 6 of Daniel uh, when he was told to worship the king and the government instead of his God. He said, no, no, no. I continue to worship the true God. You can throw me in the lion's den if you want. I could perish in the lion's den. I could be delivered. But I'm going to worship the God who delivers. I'm going to worship the true God. So that's, that's where we may be at some point. And we've been that way already. You know, uh, in this pandemic. Uh, there were a number of churches in America. I prayed for them. I think you prayed for some of them too as you saw them in the news 
where their government was saying you have to shut down because of COVID. And they said, we can't um, not worship our God. We are commanded to worship Him. But we're commanded to keep His commands. And you can't throw COVID constantly at us to keep us from doing what God commands us to do. So we had a number of churches that said, no, though our county, our state says shut down, they stayed open. And many of them went to court and battle. And now we're seeing them come out of those battles victorious, which is a great sign for our nation. That our nation's saying, yes, there are religious exemptions. You can't deny the essence of the church, which is this worship of God. And, and that's a great, great move. But we had to see Christians step into that fire and not allow the government to shut us down. Like I said, in our state... We didn't really have that battle. We had to think through the issues and pray through the issues for brothers and sisters in other states. Um, but God has blessed us. We need to be prepared for civil disobedience when it comes. So there's a place for civil obedience. There's a place for civil disobedience. But the ultimate goal here is civil partnership. How do we partner with our government? How do they partner with us? And it's kind of like um, the verses that we had in Romans 12. As far as it's possible with you, let's be at peace with all men. And that's our desire with government. We want to be at peace with them. We want to work things out. We don't want to be at odds. Uh, we want to be a good citizen. We want to encourage them. We want to support them. We want to honor them. We want to be a part of the process. We want to pray for them. We don't want to be indifferent. We don't want to uh, be independent of their commands. And why? Because God set them up. God established them. In working with them, we're working with God. So let me give you uh, three reasons for this civil partnership um, that we should obey the laws of our government to the best of our ability. Verse 2, Romans 13, back there. Verse 2, because uh, that enables us to side with God. Verse 2 says, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So when you go against government, if you don't have just reason for it, you're going against God. We don't want to do that. We want to be on God's side not against God. It's important to partner with the governments he has set up, even though they may uh, be secular. Second, uh, to eliminate personal condemnation. We get condemned when we don't uh, submit to our government. The last part of verse 2, uh, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Because if we oppose government just because we want to, just because we think it's good, but they have not really attacked Christ and his church uh, we receive condemnation. Uh, it's going to come against us. Verse 3, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. In other words, our behavior there would not be good behavior. If we're obeying rightly, there's no fear. Uh, if, uh, because God's going to deliver. Just like he did Daniel. Just like he did Daniel's friends. Just like he did the apostles. Uh, he will deliver. He says, Do you want to have fear of authority? You just got to do what's good. And you don't have fear of authority. You should fear authority coming after you when you do the bad stuff. Uh, verse 4, uh, uh, because they are minister of God. Uh, and if you do what is evil, he said, you ought to be afraid because they're going to bring down the sword. They're going to be the avenger. They're going to bring the wrath of God uh, to our nation. And that's what they're called to do uh, by God. 
So we want to eliminate that condemnation in our lives. Um, the government is the only real authority that's been um, given lethal power. So they rule with lethal power. They can, it brings into the uh, whole context uh, capital punishment. God has given them the sword to kill, uh, to bring it to bear on those who commit crimes. Now, you think back to the Old Testament when Israel was a national uh, church and God gave them civil authorities. The first seven commandments of our Ten Commandments were all, um, if you, uh, they were all commandments that the Israel knew that if you broke those commands, it was a capital offense. That the civil government could uh, execute you for that. That was their obligation, responsibility to keep law and order. Um, and we still have capital punishment today, but this is where it comes from. Is God saying, um, uh, destroy those who are destroying the order of society? Um, and we can think through that a lot, but it's, it's not the private person. Uh, it's the government that's been given this lethal power to provide peace for our land. Uh, also, we are in partnership with them for that, but also to maintain just a clear conscience. It's an interesting verse. Verse 5 says, Therefore it's necessary to be in subjection. We don't want their condemnation. Not only because of wrath, that condemnation, but also for conscience' sake. We want a clear conscience that we are doing right. Um, and so we need to be partnering with them. When we cheat on our taxes, it's going to should bother our conscience if the Holy Spirit's really in us. When we break the laws, it bothers our conscience. When we don't honor God, what He's put in place, it bothers our conscience. So we don't want to just stay out from under their condemnation, their sword, but we also don't want to conflict their conscience. We want to honor God. And that's why we partner with the government that He has set up by being submissive to it. Um, moving on, it's interesting that... Uh, Verse 4, it mentions the government as being a minister of God twice. When you think about secular governments, you don't often describe them as a minister of God. But God does. He says, uh, it is a minister of God to you, verse 4, for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, but it is a minister of God, an avenger. God has put them in place. He calls them his ministers. Um, we need to be submissive to ministers of God. They are doing God's work. They may be doing it poorly at times, but they are still ministers of God doing God's work. Um, when we are resisting them, we need to see we're resisting God. We're resisting God's ministers. And that's why God has, I think, labeled it that way, um, that the government should not be a terror to us as long as we do what's right what's good, um, but they should be definitely a terror to us if we're doing what's wrong because God has raised them up to administer judgments and justice uh, through the land. Verse 4, uh, that whole concept of the sword, uh, it's God giving them that lethal power to inflict literally the wrath of God on people. Um, God has raised them up for that purpose. 
Well, what's our role then? Submissiveness. Verses 5 through 7 brings it back. We saw it in verse 1. Every person is to be submissive in subjection. Verse 5, it comes back up again. Therefore, it's necessary, given all that's been said, that we be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For Verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes. Uh, verse 7, render to all what is due them. Tax, custom, fear, honor. That's part of it. We need to be submissive. It is a necessity. Think about a business plan. Some of you uh, come to me from time to time and you say, David, I'm going to jump out, maybe start my own business. Um, can you just be a soundboard for me? Uh, bounce off. What do you think about this business plan? And you share this business plan. And so let's say you're going to make $50,000 uh, of profit through this business that uh, you present. And after you presented it, I said, okay, so in that business plan, um, where did you take out for taxes and tithes? And he said, oh, oh, oh yeah, I forgot that. Oh, well, let's don't forget that, okay? That's important. Why? Because that's the structure God set up. So let's say you made $50,000, and let's say you're in a 20% tax bracket. You've got to take out $10,000. That's 20% of the $50,000. And that... 10000 now goes to pay taxes. Your tithe on 50000 is 5000 So instead of making 50000 you really only made 35000 because you've got to pay your taxes to whom taxes are due. You've got to pay your tithes to whom tithes are due. God set up the tithes to run the church. God set up the taxes to run the government. And if you're not doing those two things, you're not honoring God. You're not giving the honor to whom honor is due that God has established. That's just practically how the world runs, that God has put into place. Sure, um, churches can misuse tithes and governments can misuse taxes, but those are, the, those are the rails we run on. And that's what God is dealing with here for us, to understand it and to partner with it. Our submission to that structure is absolutely a necessity or we wouldn't have any law and order in the land and God's church would not continue to flourish as it does in every nation, tribe, and tongue. So think through how to be ministers and servants that God has put in place. We need the government. We need the church for our life as it exists. Um, the minister of God phrase is the same phrase you found in the Old Testament for priests. They were ministers of God. And God has put civil government in that place and obviously the priest, priesthood of believers in the church as well. So um, those are God's agents and they do have the power to tax. That's not an unbiblical concept. They do have the power to ask for tithes when it's the church. Jesus paid taxes while he was on earth. Matter of fact, they accused him of not paying taxes. No, no, no. Peter, go catch a fish, get the coin, go pay the taxes. Give to Caesar what is due Caesar. Now, you need to see when Jesus paid taxes, that was just as spiritual as when he was raised from the dead or as when he raised somebody else. It's a spiritual work that Christ was doing. Paying taxes is a spiritual thing that God has designed for us. We should be spiritual people. Pay the tax to whom taxes do and pay the tithe to whom the tithe is due. It's a spiritual work. Verse 7, render to all what is due them. 
That's where God wants us. Where does it ultimately end us up? In honoring God first. That's the bottom line. Honoring God first and seeing that society has been structured by God. Um, We've had a few aggressive years as a nation. We're seeing more aggression uh, in our government than ever before. Are seeing protests, people protesting elections, protesting whites, protesting blacks, protesting critical race theories. I mean, there's so much protest going on. And then throw on top of that the COVID protest and the mandate protest and the states fighting for what they want, national government fighting for what it wants. What I want to see come out of this is that we evaluate it all by the will of God. Are we looking at God's word, God's authority? What if this is right and proper? What is our biblical responsibility? Not just go down the stream without thinking. God, God's given us principles. And there's things we need to do that are going to be very uncomfortable at times, and then at other times we're just going to have to disobey because it's against Christ, His Word, and the church. And we've got to be good students of God's Word so that we use God's Word to equip us and to direct us. And in all of that, we're being submissive and we're being loving and peaceful. Uh, We're being those who understand the necessity of government and understand the necessity of taxes and understand the necessity of them carrying the sword and actually condemning people for doing evil things. So all of that's here. What's our biblical plan? We always need it God's way. Um, We need to love our government. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for those who protect us so many people in government. We need to pray for our representatives and councilmen. And it just goes on and on and on as we think about the structure that God's given us in America. But the bottom line is we need to be loyal to God and we need to do it God's way. As you think through some of the issues that really burn you up that's going on in our news and nation today, um, come back to Romans 13 and read it some more and some more and some more and meditate on just where God wants you to respond to Him first um, and be loyal and be faithful. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. It's been a section that's easy for us to ignore and neglect until now. And the the generation in front of us is going to be spending a lot of time here, it looks like. Unless, O Lord, You raise up strong uh, biblical leaders for our land. Father, we ask that uh, you would begin to raise up an army of government workers that come from the church, that understand your law, that understands your ways, that understands how to be submissive to you first and foremost. Father, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let us understand your word and let it enable us to live. But Father, let us also understand that your church is the light of the world. When government seeks to close down the church, it has no light. 
it only dwells in darkness. Lord, let us be the light of the world. Let us be the salt of the earth. We must stand up for Christ in this church, even though it kill us. Let us be willing to make that stand for your honor and for your glory when it's called for. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for seeing us through so many things so far. Let us be found faithful. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have disobeyed wrongly and we have failed our government wrongly. We ask that you would use us. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.